This is a Radio 1 91FM FM podcast. Kia ora, morena koutou, nairia mai. Ko Sineina aho. Ko Scott aho. You are listening to the news for Rapare Thursday the 5th of May on Te Reo Irirangi Kotahi. Coming up on the programme e Teneira, we speak to Otago University students about the current graduation certificate structure that leaves out subject major and minors. We also speak with Public Health South Smoke-Free Coordinator Debbie Newton to find out what's going on with Smoke-Free May and World Smoke-Free Day on May 31st. Then finally, we speak with Alan Rikers from Forest and Bird about the current protection for the measures of korera, little penguins, and why they have applied to the High Court for a judicial review regarding the Department of Conservation approval to handle and capture the little penguins from Kennedy Point. Next up, we have Nare with him. You are listening to R1 News. Keep it locked. So tired. 
You're listening to R1 News. Now we have Zach Hoffman with the bulletin. This is the news on Radio 191 FM. Russia has targeted Western aid in Ukraine as the invasion continues to rage on. The, super complain- the superpower complained that Europe and the United States were stuffing U- Ukraine with weapons, consequently bombing several railroad stations and other supply line points around the war-torn nation. The Russian military used sea and airborne missiles to target power facilities at railway stations, whilst aircraft and artillery destroyed troop strongholds and fuel and ammunition storage sites. The attack comes as the EU has moved to ban Russian oil imports, a significant source of revenue for the aggressive nation. Heavy fighting continues across Ukraine, with Mariupol Mayor Vadim Boychenko saying that the last Ukraine resistance fighters were engaged with Russian forces at the Azov-style steel mill in the nearly conquered city. A growing disparity in NCA achievement is becoming more apparent in Aotearoa, with, nor- with northern regions such as Tamaki Makoto, Waikato and Northland reaching record levels of excellence endorsements over the rest of the country. Students in the northern areas were allowed to skip exams and have their grades calculated partially by the amount of class time they lost in the last lockdown. Auckland's excellence endorsement rates scored around 25% of Year 11, Year 12 and Year 13 le- year levels, which contrasts, with most, most, <laughs> which contrasts with most other regions' rates of excellence endorsement, with Wellington and Canterbury only reaching endorsement rates of 15% for Year 13s. Now, we're in for some weather. The Radio 191 weather. Kia ora, and welcome for your... <laughs> Kia ora, these are your Radio 1 Tereo Ere Rangi weather updates for uh, Ramere, Terima or Alright, uh, today we have a high of 19 with a low of 11. Today will be fine with some, with some morning high cloud and light winds. Apopo on Rapa, uh, no, sorry, Ramere, uh, Rapere. Uh, the day will be fine apart from, some, apart from some morning and evening low cloud or fog. North, with north, with northerlies easing for a time in the afternoon, uh, we will have a high of 20 and a low of 11. That does it for your weather today. Thank you for that, Zach. Up next is Judah Kelly with Apathy. Stay tuned. <laughs> for someone new Don't you find it funny Somebody you once knew You like business pens cool shirts, blazer at a top hat Are you insecure to give into that I said how you played nice Caught you staring into mine Was I insecure to give into that Stolen eyes, lost time, reflection of my state of mind 
to tell. Love me less and love me well. I'm, I'm missing you out. I'm missing you. Apathy carefully causing your anxiety. I'm, I'm missing you out. I'm missing who to show, who to tell. Love me less and love me well. That was Judah Kelly with Apathy. It is 13 minutes past 11 and you are listening to the R1 News. We speak with Otago University students about the current graduation certificate structure that leaves out subject majors and minors. Otago University has not been including subject major and minors on graduation certificates. Over the next few weeks, thousands of Otago University students are graduating and will be receiving their academic transcripts alongside their graduation certificates. However, unlike Canterbury, Victoria and Auckland University, Otago only prints a degree. For example, a Bachelor of Commerce, Arts and Science. A petition released on change.org by Otago University student has been circulating the student community. There are currently 1,523 signatures on their way to reaching the 2,500 goal. We spoke to Otago University students about how they feel about the current certificate structure, with one student saying that they were proud of their major and minors and hope to have them included on their certificate next year when they graduate. Annoying that they don't have it on there. Like it's like you know, one art subject from the next, one science from the subject from the next is so different. Like I just yeah, I a lot of like independent thought goes into it, which isn't. Uh, I feel like it it really devalues like all of the contributions that students have made. I think it really doesn't matter because if I'm going to an interview or I'm applying for a job. Um, I will put those credentials on my CV anyway and I'll present my case and kind of argue it. And I don't really think that it matters whether it's on the certificate or not. I think personally, because I'm graduating in a couple of weeks, I would like my specific major and minor to be on my certificate because I think the certificate itself is like important and I would want it to be... I'm going to frame it and I'm going to put it up on the wall. And if people look at it, I would want them to know, like, the major and minor on that I've done because also with major, like, with Bachelor of Arts as well, there's, like, a stigma around that. So having, like, my, my statistics minor and my politics major on the certificate and people can look at that, then I think that would be cool for it to be on the certificate. 
Otago University Deputy Vice-Chancellor and Academic Professor Helen Nicholson responded, stating that if this is a matter that the students feel strongly about, the university will be happy to look into it further. That was news reporter Sonana Bourne talking about the petition that has been circulating in the student community to change Otago University's current graduation certificate structure and include major and minor subjects. Up next we have B&E with grey sweatpants. Stay tuned, I want News.
was Bible Mummy with Bunny. Coming up on the program we speak with Ellen Rikers from Forest and Bird about the current protection measures for Korora, little penguins, and why they've applied to the High Court for Judicial Review regarding the Department of Conservation's approval to handle and capture and move the little penguins from Kennedy Point. But first, here is High Hoops with Body. You are listening to R1 News on Te Reo Irirangi Kotahi. Stay tuned. Busy as usual 
news that was high hoops with body coming up on the show i'm going to be talking to debbie newton from public health south about world smoke free day and world smoke free may and what we can do to get involved but first it's lady hawk with time flies
That was Lady Hawk with Time Flies. You are listening to R1 News here on the Reo Irirangi Kotahi. Forest and Bird have applied to the High Court for judicial review regarding the Department of Conservation's approval to handle, capture and move the Korera little penguins from Kennedy Point. On March the 30th, Korera that reside on Kennedy Point in Putiki Bay on Waihirki Island are being removed to make way for construction of a new marina. The development of the marina in Putiki Bay has also caused a lot of controversy prior to this decision. The local iwi and Save Kennedy Point group have been fighting to protect the land as the bay is a kainga for korora. Kennedy Point Marina has granted authority by the Department of Conservation to capture, handle and release korora under the Wildlife Act 1953. Forest and Bird believes that this is errors made by Department of Conservation in granting permission of the removal of Korera, as the construction plans are inconsistent with the current protections that Korera should be legally afforded under the Wildlife Act. We are now joined by Ellen Rikers from Forest and Bird. Welcome to the show, Ellen. Thanks for having me. Firstly, can you tell us a little bit more about the Korera and why they are currently protected under the Wildlife Act? Sure. So korora, or little penguins, are the world's smallest species of penguin. They're super cute and super tiny. They only weigh about a kilo and they're about 25 centimetres long. Uh, And they have these gorgeous blue feathers on their back. And um, they go out to sea during the day to feed, catch fish, and then they come back at dusk to their burrows on land. And they're quite talkative wee birds, so when they, they come ashore, they're all sort of gossiping amongst each other, making these kind of quite loud brain noises. So they're super charismatic um, little birds. Uh, and, you know, you're based down in Dunedin. There's some out on Otago Peninsula, so isn't it cool that you can just go out onto the onto a beach around Dunedin and see a penguin? You don't have to go to Antarctica to see a penguin. Um, yeah, and they, they are protected under the Wildlife Act. Um, so the Wildlife Act sets out management of all kinds of different wildlife in in New Zealand and it guarantees protection for a lot of our native species, which includes korora. Oh, awesome. And so who is in charge of protecting the korora? Is it solely in the hands of the Department of Conservation or are there other groups involved? It's definitely part of DOC's job to Mm -hmm. look after our native species and manage threats to their survival. Um, And the Wildlife Act is a law that, you know, applies to everyone. So... Uh, Forest and Bird believes that uh, ensuring that our native wildlife aren't harmed is something that all of our decision makers should uphold. But I guess on the ground, there's all kinds of different people looking after korora. So just down the road from me, um, I'm about an hour north of Auckland, there's a a population of korora. And uh, there's a group from Forest and Bird who look after these penguins, and they do that by trapping um, pests like stoats and rats and providing nest boxes and just keeping an eye on them while they are breeding and coming ashore to molt. And then on Waiheke, um, mana whenua, like Ngāti Paua, they practice kaitiakitanga and they've been working really hard to protect the penguins in, their, in, in that area. So there's all kinds of people who are looking after our korora or across the country. Yes, and moving from this, the Department of Conservation has granted the Kennedy Point Marina Development Group to capture and handle the korora. Why, where are they taking to them to and why are they doing this? 
My understanding is that the, the permit allows the developers to catch, handle and release kororua if they come across them while they're undertaking construction activities. Um, I don't know exactly where they would be releasing them, but uh, it w- it's not like they are taking them to a completely different place. It'll be somewhere nearby but outside of the construction zone. Yes, and so Forest and Bird applied for a judicial review regarding the welfare of these penguins. Can you tell me what instances have shown that the welfare of these penguins have been at risk? So the Wildlife Act, it protects kororua from disturbance. And in this context, disturbance doesn't mean, you know, you walk down the beach and you, you startle a penguin who's also walking down the beach. It, it refers to activity that has a risk of causing significant harm. So... Um, you know, in building a, a large marina and a, a floating car park, that's pretty significant construction activity. They are moving really large boulders and shifting them. And so the kororua actually have their burrows in amongst those um, boulders. So if there are any penguins in there, they are at risk of being harmed by this, this kind of activity. Yeah, and forest and bird, as you've mentioned before, uh, say that kōrera are declining species. What factors play into this, especially when majority of the species re- reside in Kennedy Point? Therefore, I imagine handling them and moving them to a different place would have a huge effect. Yeah, so kōrera face a range of different threats, um, both on land and at sea. So at sea, they can be accidentally caught by um, fishes. For example, they can get entangled in set nets. They might eat plastic or other marine debris, uh, and climate change is another another big threat to them, um, which is causing the sea to warm up, and then that affects both the abundance and the distribution of the fish that they rely on for their food. Um, so then on land, habitat destruction is um, leading to fewer places that kororua can have their nests. So like us, kororua... They, they love a, a bit of a prime coastal property with a good sea view. Um, but as our cities have expanded, it means that there's less natural habitat for them to occupy. And then, of course, predators like stoats, cats and dogs are also a threat. They can kill kōrora. So it's really important that when you're walking your dog, if you're anywhere near um, where penguins live, that you keep them on leash to keep our penguins safe. Um, and in terms of of uh, the penguins specifically at Kennedy Point. Um, I mean, there are kororua all around New Zealand's coast, but in the Hauraki Gulf, they are mostly on the offshore islands. They're not so much on the mainland Auckland coast anymore. And the population at Kennedy Point is one of the most significant on Waiheke and within the inner Gulf islands. And in terms of moving them from this specific habitat, kororua have, um, it's called what's called high site fidelity so it means that they they're really really uh there's no place like home for kororua they always go back to the same place so if you displace them from the place that they're really attached to that definitely will have an effect on the um, individuals at kennedy point having to find a new home and have there been other instances where conservation laws have been overruled? And do you think that this calls for a restructure of these laws that focuses on wildlife protection goals today? So the government did announce in December 2020 last year that they are going to be reforming conservation laws, uh, including the Wildlife Act, which is long overdue and something Forest and Bird um, is really looking forward to. So 
Wildlife Act, it's nearly 70 years old and a lot has changed since uh, 1953 when it was um, put into law. So, for example, back then you could still kill Kia, which seems absolutely sort of, uh, you know, crazy today with um, with them being an endangered species. And uh, the Wildlife Act only seems to, well, it only applies to organisms that we have deemed to be animals in terms of um, things like giant weta and native freshwater fish under the Wildlife Act don't really seem to um, qualify as animals. Um, and so, in, you know, we're in the midst of a biodiversity crisis. So we need laws that are going to provide strong protection for all of our species that we, we all cherish as New Zealanders. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Alan. Hope you have a wonderful day. No worries. Thank you. That was Alan Rikers from Forest and Bird about the judicial review regarding the safety and welfare of the little penguins on Kennedy Point. Next up, we have Scott Favell talking with Debbie Newton from Public Health South about smoke-free May. First up, here's a song from Josette with Comfort Show. You are listening to R1 News on the Irirangi Kotahi. Stay tuned. The Kereru or more commonly known as the New Zealand Pigeon. It isn't love important. <laughs> <laughs> Only the finest grubs and work. Come through one more time. Come through just one more time. Save it. Oh, uh-huh. 
For the first time, Smoke Free Day has been expanded into Smoke Free May, taking advantage of the whole month to encourage New Zealanders to kick smoking ahead of World Smoke Free Day on May 31st and the eventual goal of Smoke Free 2025. Smoking remains the leading cause of preventable death in New Zealand and Smoke Free May aims to express the commitment to preventing such deaths with their slogan, We're Backing You. Here to discuss more about Smoke Free May and Smoke Free Day is Debbie Newton from Public Health South. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Hi, thanks for having me on. So smoke-free Aotearoa is a campaign so ubiquitous that many New Zealanders have grown up with it. How effective has smoke-free Aotearoa been since its inception, and how are we, how are we going in accomplishing this goal? Well, the, just some, there's a bit of misconceptions around what the goal is. So it is a government-supported goal. It's aspirational, and it was set after the Māori Affairs Select Committee sat in 2010. And the goal isn't about prohibition. We just want to get down to less than 5% of people in our um 
country smoking laws. We prefer to say greater than 95% of people are smoke-free. Um, we've only got three years now to get to that goal, and we still have, um, sadly, large numbers of Māori and Pacifica people smoking. But the way um, we're going to work towards achieving that, um, we've done a number of things leading up to now. Um, if we look at protecting tamariki from exposure to tobacco marketing and promotion, we've got cigarettes in our plain packaging, those colourful power walls and the dairies and stuff have gone. Last year in November, the smoke-free carts legislation came into force. And, of course, we don't advertise the products. And the Smoke-Free Action Plan was launched last year, and some key, key aspects of that are around reducing the supply of and demand for tobacco. So um, smoke tobacco products are widely available in New Zealand, particularly in our disadvantaged neighbourhoods. There are nearly four times more tobacco retailers in low-income communities where smoking rates are the highest than in higher-income communities. And this widespread availability can encourage young people to experiment, take up smoking. And it's really hard for people to stop smoking um, when it's so available around them. So part of the action plan is to look, hopefully, at changing the law to restrict who can sell cigarettes and ensure that they aren't clustered in those low-death areas. And, of course, we want to provide the best possible support for people to stop smoking. So across the country, we have free services um, here down in the southern region, we have the Southern Stop Smoking Service, who has a number of mobile coaches who are out and about in the community. They can come to you at home, they can come to you in your workplace, they can work with you one-on-one, they can work with whānau, with groups in workplaces. Um, they provide the nicotine replacement therapy products for free, and, and it's not just about handing them over, they actually work with people to, to use them effectively. Um, and we have other medications available um, to support people that are on prescription. And I don't want to get into the subject of vaping really on this conversation, but vaping is can be a useful tool to help people switch from combustible tobacco. So for those who have struggled in the past to quit, vaping has been seen as a tool that could actually make them shift off to combustible tobacco. Yeah, so um, we've got a wee way to go um, in terms of prevalence to reach the goal, but I think we're on the right track now. Yes, obviously you've you've covered kind of this uh, um, partially, but the student population of Otago presents a unique demographic challenge in kind of reducing smoking prevalence. Um, So how do um, specific smoke-free 2025 efforts look like, you know, in in, in the southern region? In the southern region? Well, um, I looked at the... um, the New Zealand Health Survey, um, so this is nationally, um, that's a small sample. So they updated their data for 2020-2021 and they have 9.4% of our national population smoking. But we have to, um, currently we're still working down here on the 2018 census data. So in the Dunedin City area, um, 11.6% of our people smoke according to the census data. 20.3% um, of Māori are smoking. And in Otago, it is 12.3%. Um, yeah, so hopefully those numbers are, uh, have reduced since the um, census data um, came out. But in terms of the university population, what we do see is there's some people are initiating smoking when they hit university, um, but a freedom from home and all that. And, of course, we see what is called social smoking, um, um, we see it as smoking um, because 
you know, social smoking can easily lead to full-time smoking. The tobacco industry has created a product that is really addictive, okay, and and, and people don't generally start out smoking thinking they're going to go and have years, uh, a long years of career of smoking, and unfortunately that can happen easily. And we're also seeing a lot of young people who have never smoked before taking up vaping um, and using nicotine in that way. So um, thinking that it is a safer product, yeah. What are Smoke Free May and World Smoke Free Day actually all about? Um, well, it's a time for celebration, really. Um, Smoke Free May, um, this year we're going to celebrate the month of May as part of a national campaign for Aotearoa um, to be smoke free by 2025. And World Smoke Free May will lead up to the celebration of World Smoke Free Day on Tuesday, the 31st of May which is in line with the annual International Day created by the World Health Organisation in 1987. And um, the theme this year is We're Backing You, with a focus on the team effort to support whānau to quit and to stay smoke-free. And there are some key messages in there which are around whanangatanga, a wraparound service for the person trying to stop smoking, who's going to support them to do that and how are they going to do that. And the theme this year is also matched by a wonderful three-word whakatauki, which is tai tuara, tai whāri, tai ki, which with backing even the tallest of oceans waves can be conquered. So it's really um, building on that team effort that we've been doing over the last year or so in the COVID space. And um, the theme was actually um, developed by um, a really wonderful group of rangatahi um, you know, just calling on that whole team approach, which is really neat because it, it, it's really hard to stop smoking. On average, it's about 20 serious goes. And so some people might give up on the second or third or fourth go, but other people can still be struggling and just keeping making, you know, quit attempts. And we encourage people just to keep trying. And what's, and what I suppose for people who don't smoke, it can be really hard to understand why people relapse. And um, so we just want people to be really supportive of any of their friends or whānau members who are giving it a go. Cool. How can our listeners get involved and get amongst it? Um, well, because a number of us, are, are, we're part of a coalition, Smoke Free um, Otago, and um, the Public Health Unit, sadly, we have just kind of come back into our business as usual, having been working in the COVID space for a while. And because of all the traffic light systems and stuff, we're going to drive this campaign through our socials, okay? So we've got a Facebook and an Instagram page, and we're just, just starting TikTok. And the tagline is Smoke Free South. So what we're uh, currently doing are connecting with Rangatahi to Kōrero, to Smoke Free Kaupapa, and create some fun and informative content for our socials. And hopefully, um, and it'll focus on support. So back your family members and friends who want to stop smoking. And there are some really simple ways that you can support people. Um, just like make your home and car smoke free. Um, help, the, help your friend or family member set boundaries and remind them why they're stopping. Um, be helpful if they get stressed. Um, don't offer them any cigs or leave your cigs where they can see them. Um, don't smoke around them. Um, and if you smoke, maybe try quit with them. You know, do it as a team. And um, 
And just remember that journey that they're on isn't easy. And relapse will happen. And so don't judge people if that happens. It's just about um, getting back on the journey again. So just keep an eye on our um, on our social pages, okay? And um, we do have some things happening. Our colleagues in Invercargill are planning an interactive live performance at the pantry where they're getting our local um, secondary school band who is entering in um, Murahuku Smoke Free Rock Quest to put on a bit of a show. And we're going to kind of springboard off the 31st of May and even take this into June, really, because um, 2025 is, is creeping up very quickly, so we've really got to kind of push this. Cool. Thanks very much for talking to us, Debbie. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Excellent. That was Debbie Newton from Public Health South talking about World Smoke-Free Day and, and Smoke-Free May. Up next, we have Chet Faker with Low.
Thanks for listening to Radio 1 91 FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.